I guess just trying to start a project that was purely for me that would allow me to make something that wasn't for anyone else was quite exciting. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. You're listening to Perspective, a podcast for wedding graves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry. We're talking to Brighton Best Photographer Lexi Lane on today's episode of Perspective about pursuing your passion to keep you creatively inspired. Lexi's passion is in underwater photography and it's in her underwater projects that takes her to the clear waters of the Mediterranean Sea regularly, allowing her to fulfil her other love of travel. But we're not only going to be diving into Lexi's work, which is often described as magical and ethereal, but we'll be chatting to her about gear, free diving and how she uses certain skills to push her work. I'm also going to be telling the tale of how my wife almost killed me on her honeymoon. That's fun. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but I'm going to get onto that a little bit later in the show. In the meantime, Greg, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? This episode is going to be pun-ridden. We are drinking Serra do Cabra. Cabral. It's a Brazilian bean, and it was roasted by Fadil. A roastery in Glasgow. Easy and read. And Fadil so. means lucky find in Gaelic. Oh, very good. It was given to us by Susie. She brought it into the office. So thank you very much, Susie. Yes. And while I drink this coffee, we are here with Lexi. How you doing, Lexi? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for asking me here today. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously I've asked you this off mic before, but what are you drinking? Ah, um, so I have got myself a nice cup of Earl Grey tea with soya milk, my favourite. Ah, yes. Any nice, kind of nice. brand of soya milk you you like there or just? Uh, normally just like bog standard supermarket own brand um, without sweet sweetenings. Cheapest. Very good, very good. <laughs> uh, cheapy cheaps. <laughs> And uh, no sugar, no anything like that. Uh, I'm a bit of a bit of a sugar fiend, so I'm trying to oh, wean myself off that at the moment. But yeah, I've got half a teaspoon mm. of sugar in there. Half a teaspoon. You're almost there. That's pretty good. Going. <laughs> uh, that, that is good going. That is good going. <laughs> so yeah, we actually met at Photography Farm. Uh, in Glasgow. Oh, yeah. That was the first time that we met? Yes, it? It, yes was. it was. the first time. I, I kind of need to apologise because I actually missed the beginning part of your talk. Ah, no, that's fine. The beginning part. I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember what I was doing. I, I don't know why I didn't uh, come in at the start, which was weird. But uh, yeah, I, fortunately, I missed the start. Um, however, the rest of the talk was ace. <laughs> super interesting and obviously that's that's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode but yeah before we do that let's just get some general chat <laughs> how, how was your weekend ah my weekend it feels like quite a long time ago now it's only wednesday isn't it um that's true i had a lovely weekend yeah so it's a bank holiday and uh normally i shoot weddings over bank holiday weekends as most wedding photographers do but uh, yeah. it was actually my wedding anniversary so um i, oh, I took, the, took the weekend off and we had a very nice day on saturday so it was the uh, may the 4th the, the star wars uh, yes theme uh-huh, date. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so i've been married for six years now and uh we often sort of um travel around do a little weekend break for our wedding anniversary. But this year we stayed in Brighton, which was really nice. And oh, we right, uh-huh. rented a beach box sauna 
on um, on the beach in Brighton where you can just kind Ooh. of like get get really hot and sweaty and then dunk into the yeah. sea and then back into the sauna. So yeah, it's really nice, <laughs> really nice. And we also have a really lovely um, tradition of putting our wedding outfits back on every year. Wow, um, very and doing cool. Self portrait. So we did that as well. <laughs> Six years in, you can still fit into them. That's good. Yeah, it's um, this year was kind of an okay fit. Um, I think it was two two years in where I couldn't do it up at all. It's the fat year. I think it was mm-hmm. kind of like that, comfortably married and gaining a lot of weight. <laughs> so yeah, yeah now it's so, a marker. I've got to always fit into that dress. <laughs> so did you do the self portrait in the sauna? No, no, I didn't actually. It might have been nice. Well, no, I don't think it would have been nice. It would have been sweaty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, well, congr- congratulations. That's cool. Six years. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 obviously not one of the the special years, but six is still they're a big all number. Special. They're, oh, all, they're special. all special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I, I was looking up to yeah. see what the um the you know every year it's a different theme, a sort of a gift yeah. that you mm-hmm. have to get. And um, last year yeah. was quite nice. So five years it was wood. So I bought some nice garden furniture for us. I thought it was oh. quite nice. But this year was iron, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't buy anything. I was a shit wife. I d- you know, it's my 10-year anniversary this year, and I, d- I don't wow. even know what 10 years is. Do you that, know what 10 years that is? That is a big one. That, that is a big one. <laughs> it is. I kind of feel like it's going to be something special. Like, oh, I don't know, silver is, is 25 years, isn't it? So, yeah. Oh, mm. who knows? Oh, wait, hang on a minute. It's not my 10-year anniversary. It's my 9-year anniversary yeah! <laughs> Oh no, is it? Good work. When I get, I got married in 2010. Oh no, I've made a complete botchery. <laughs> oh no. Well, everyone knows that maths is not my skill. <laughs> well, what's well, nine's not a special one, so that takes the pressure off. What's nine? Oh, if we don't know ten, we're not going to know nine, are we? No. Ah, it's fine. It's fine. So the weekend there, we didn't have a wedding either. I was guest, evening guest at a wedding. Oh, actually. nice. Uh, on May the fourth, actually, as well. Did they have a so Star that was good Wars fun. theme? Mm-hmm. They didn't. No, no. they just they the f- just sort of the force wasn't with them. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we didn't have a wedding, but we had an elopement the week before, sort of midweek. So oh, nice. Always feel that sometimes throws off your week, and weekends yeah. don't feel like weekends. So not having a wedding was good. We were up in Glencoe That's with a beautiful. Swedish groom and Canadian bride. Mm. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, so they were getting eloped with how many? Uh, six, seven, eight of their friends? Five. Five of their friends. Wow. See, I'm really not bad. <laughs> <There was seven laughs> <total. laughs> Can't count either. <laughs> you know, they had a good vibe, so it felt like a big party. And by the end of it, we were like friends as well. Oh. So yeah, it was like nine friends. Yeah, what? yeah, that, yeah. You see, I, I, I included us in that, in that group. <laughs> But it, but it was really nice because it, it, like they were really welcoming. Funnily enough, there wasn't actually a photographer, so having to take charge essentially, mm. um, which often we 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 leave to the photographer. Um, sorry, guys, uh, <laughs> you know, to location scout and do all that kind of stuff. We normally just let you guys take that kind of job to alleviate some of the stress. But yeah, Glencoe, obviously, we've shot there before, but it was crazy. It was it was like a seven seven minute ceremony. Yeah, wow. the shortest, the shortest ceremony, and I, I, I can't remember who um, the register was, but he just, he just started. Yeah, like <laughs> most of the time with celebrants or humanists, they'll sort of look to the photographer or the filmmaker and look for a nod for yeah. we're all ready, yeah, ready? let's yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy didn't look at all. He just was like, "I'm ready. I'm just going to start." 
And we were going, ah, <laughs> our cameras weren't recording. All the group of friends were like huddled around in the corner. They didn't know where to stand. We were just like, as soon as he started, it's like we were obviously going to let the guests know where's best for them to stand for us and for them as well because we want to make sure they're getting some uh nice memories um but it was just so quick and i was on i was on a quarter of a battery quarter of a battery uh so i'm lucky it was the ceremony was seven minutes long because i wouldn't have i wouldn't survive much longer to be honest in a in a situation Uh, like that when it's it's not as formal obviously with a smaller group of people would you ever feel comfortable enough to say actually can you start again can you allow us to get ready i think if it was really sort of like we need to say it then yes yeah this situation it was like i had a panic but then i was like all right we've got one camera rolling now now we've got some freedom to set up the other camera Mm -hmm. yeah so it was like right i think we're okay we can roll with this but the whole ceremony i was like this is not going to be good this is not going to be good luckily when i got (laughs) into the edit i was like okay okay. there's enough (laughs) angles of everything and it was only seven minutes, so we're fine. But yeah, if if it was really serious, I think we would be like, hold on, guys, just give us a second, because it is more informal, and you can do that. Sure. But ne- yeah, never at a wedding. The, the, the smaller the group of people, the more easier it would be to kind of like say, hey, you know, this isn't the ideal setup. Can we just, you know, and obviously we'd catch that right at the beginning. Mm. like it wouldn't be like five minutes and be like, you know what guys <laughs> my angle isn't quite right so can we just like shuffle you over like a foot and <laughs> do it again, again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we wouldn't do that we wouldn't do that it was really good fun yeah. like we ended up staying super late like, like normally elopements you think oh it's a nice short day but yeah. they'd mentioned that they were going to light a bonfire at night oh. at their sort of cabin so we were like oh that'd be quite nice to film yeah. And obviously this time of year it's not getting dark until half nine ten. Mm-hmm. Oh no. So they went to local pub. They went to the local pub for dinner and we were like, We'll come along with you. Had a nice dinner with the seven of them, back to the cabin, lit the bonfire. And they did in the pub they did this cool Swedish toast. Yeah. Where they all sort of do this chant and it just it was so cool. We got them round the campfire to do the same thing again oh, as like nice. a sort of final toast for the wedding. It was cool. Yeah. Of course, you you missed out my my favorite bit, Greg, which is actually straight after dinner. It was a beautiful sunset through the forest trees, and uh, before the ceremony, the couple had said that they had written letters to each other. Obviously, the, this was not part of the ceremony. Uh, we did the shoot, had dinner, and then went and um, the light was so gorgeous, and they had this really intimate moment in the woods, just like they read each other's letters to each other, and it was just oh. really beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. I cried, <laughs> I cried because it was so well written and so well done. I thought, wow. Obviously, not knowing that the ceremony footage was all right once you checked it, you're thinking, oh my god, how am I going to get this good content? Uh, that letter reading was, was so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I could make a beautiful film just without the ceremony, which is fun. But yeah, you know, I really love those kind of raw, unexpected moments, at, at, like elopements or weddings. Yeah, and for them to be able to share that moment as well is really makes you feel kind of i'm always honored to be part of someone's wedding but you know with such an intimate moment like that for someone to let you in it's special yeah yeah you know what i mean the most cool. surprising moment though i mean oh. we'll stop talking about this soon because <laughs> this is taking a long time but we were obviously shooting along the glenetiff road and i got a message at dinner on facebook messenger and it's like oh it's not loading up because of signal so halfway down the road got signal loaded up a photo from our friend Emma Lawson, who's a photographer from Aberdeen. And it was a photo of us in Glencoe shooting. 
She had obviously been doing a shoot as well. Drove past the road and went, I know those guys. Stopped and got her camera out. Uh, it was so funny. Like, small world. Obviously, it's just full of photographers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to mention the fact that I fell. No, there's that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. fell, fell right down a hill, got oh, covered in mud. No. It was wonderful. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Obviously, your work kind of speaks for itself, but you are. A Sony pony, right? A Sony pony. Wow, I love that description. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put that, that as my new Instagram handle, Sony pony. <laughs> but yeah, it's got, I, I kind of I, I wanted to ask you how your uh, Sony stage show went in Birmingham for the N, the NEC. Yes, at the NEC. Sorry, at the NEC. Yeah, yeah. How, how'd that go? Ah, uh, yeah, that was good. It was. Um, it's quite intimidating, sort of walking into such a vast, massive photography show and uh, knowing that you got to talk but the sony stage is quite a nice area it had um mm-hmm. had seating and there was space for maybe 50 people total including standing so it didn't feel too scary and yeah it was really yeah. nice i had uh, some really interesting questions from people afterwards mm-hmm. and yeah it was a really nice crowd so yeah i was quite surprised how many people came and um the fact that i didn't know many of the people in the crowd i was just thinking that you know my friends might rock up and that might be it so yeah it was good <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's cool that's cool i mean are are you a naturally good public speaker or does do, do these kind of things make you a little bit nervous because you um, seem great at the f- at photography farm. Uh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, I'm definitely not a natural. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that, yeah, the photography show was the first bit of public speaking I've, I've done in about 15 years, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it was a bit of a ba- <laughs> baptism of fire because it was such yes. a busy environment and, you know, felt quite important being asked to speak for Sony and things like that. So, but yeah, the second time I spoke was when I saw you. Actually, no, that was the third time I I, um, I spoke was when I saw you in um, in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And by then I was a bit more chilled out, I think. <laughs> I think Photography Farm is such a, such a wonderful community of people. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, straight away less intimidating because I know that people that come to these events are generally very nice people that um yeah just really keen yeah. to learn and always very supportive of one another so i yeah. wasn't as scared so yeah. <laughs> and obviously you've got the day before i'm assuming it was the second day down yes. in london as well you've got the day before to get to know people exactly so it's when you look out at the people watching you talk you're sort of friendly with them yes <laughs> hopefully <laughs> you've all been out <laughs> drinking together the night before you're all Equally hungry. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your wedding photography quickly. Obviously, not the focus on today's episode, but I definitely want to just delve in a wee bit. Uh, mm, for- I thought I- you might. <laughs> first, though, I have to ask: big, uh, big super Superman fan there. <laughs> yeah um well so i was um i was alexa kent for the majority of my life until until i met my uh, my partner and i couldn't resist doing the double barrel for having clark yeah. name as a yeah as that's a, a must <laughs> kent is, yeah and i do actually i think uh i have quite a quantity of quite uh of clients that um book me saying um you know we were trying to choose between a few photographers and we obviously really love your photos but what really sealed the deal 
was your name. I was just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, so hang on. So, so you got married on May the 4th. You're obviously a big Superman fan. Uh, have you got an inner <laughs> geek in you? Is this, uh... Yeah, definitely. I'm not so much of a superhero fan or comic fan, but geeky mm-hmm. in other ways, I'd say. Cool. cool. <laughs> how, how long have you been shooting? In general, like, like, tell us your origin story. My origin. <laughs> oh, my um... God. This really is getting superhero-y. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop that. I'll stop that. I was born on the planet Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so... I started um, taking photos about 18 years ago, I suppose, and that was sort of during my degree. I did a degree in fine art and specialised in photography for the whole time, for the whole of the degree. Mm -hmm. So um, when I graduated, I got a job working in a gallery and kind of thought that that might be my my route, uh, you know, a way to stay creative is be part of the creative world. Um, and I quickly realized that actually watching and helping other artists make work and install work in, in a gallery space was a bit frustrating, really. And I wasn't being creative myself. So I looked into how I could somehow make money out of taking photos. <laughs> mm. And I kind of fell into wedding photography, I suppose. It became something that did allow me to be creative and did uh-huh. tick all of those boxes for me. Yeah, uh, that was 13 years ago. I've been full, full-time full wedding photographer for ooh, eight years now, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, very it's cool! Like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't like to see the years that <laughs> we've been operating either, because it just in my head I'm still like 25 years old mm. <laughs> or some or something. Me too, totally. You said you sort of fell into weddings. How how did that start come about back then? Mm. So I assisted um, another wedding photographer for a while and didn't really see it as something that I would be interested in doing until. Maybe a year into doing that, I realised that actually you could do things quite differently from the guy that I had been assisting. It's right. quite old school. <laughs> and <laughs> a couple of my friends got married and they weren't going to have a wedding photographer. So, yeah, one of I think maybe the second wedding I ever shot, I was a guest at a wedding and I think I found out an hour before the ceremony that I was, I would be taking the photos on the day. So I didn't, I didn't have my camera gear with me or anything. I was literally just handed a camera that I'd never used before in my life, you know, a brand of, of camera that I'd never used in my life as well. I can't even remember what mm-hmm. brand it was now, but I was just like, okay. Wow. <laughs> that That's in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. But really the pressure get... was off, you know, because they, yeah, they hadn't seen it as something to put pressure on me enough to ask me a long time beforehand. So it was, uh, it was fine. It was mm-hmm. playful yeah. and it was good. And How did you feel at the time though? Were you like, I'm meant to be here enjoying myself as a guest and now I'm to take photos? No, I, I was, yeah, I was super, super keen newbie at the time. Yeah. So it was a very exciting thing to be asked to do. Yeah. I think mm. if somebody did that to me now, <laughs> <I'd be> like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I'd be like, yeah. So 13 years is a long time. Have you seen many changes throughout your your long journey as a photographer? Long journey. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> changed. It's completely unrecognisable from when I first started. It was, um, I um, lived in an area where I was like one of the only women taking photos as a wedding photographer. And I was probably about half yeah. the age of 
the majority of my competition. So uh-huh. I was received by, you know, the, the wedding photography community with kind of a little bit of, I don't know, disdain, a little bit of uh, fear that I was going to try and, you know, steal all their weddings. And this new yeah. kid on the block mm. is, is um, threatening, I guess, if you're stuck in your ways and the ways that a lot of they, a lot of these guys were back then. And yeah, things have changed massively. You know, I would advertise through magazines and things like that then, and social media wasn't a thing. Um, yeah, massive amount of change. And I think for me, the the best change in the wedding industry is is the communities around in the support. Um, we mentioned Photography Farm before. Just having friends and everyone being around to sort of help each other is uh-huh. really important. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so do you have a a, a community like a local community established, yeah. or is yeah, it more? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We have a a little uh, Brighton photographers group, which is nice. Um, very cool. We don't meet up very often. Mm-hmm. It always makes me quite jealous when I visit you guys in Glasgow because the Scottish community of wedding photographers just seems to be brilliant. You know, one's up for a uh-huh. uh, a night out whenever possible. So really good yeah but i guess that's a lot just of- scottish people in general <laughs> <laughs> i think i need to move to scotland <laughs> <laughs> you're more than welcome to but you're right there <laughs> is there's a good community up here i feel like we don't meet up as much as we should or as we have done in the past few years but yeah this is good it's right yeah it's, it's you know it's so hard it, it really is so hard like especially having a family it's really hard just to yeah have one to be social but two to be social at a normal hour that everyone else is social yeah you know like i can be social super early in the morning <laughs> you know like but no one's up so i'm just me me being me <laughs> big weirdo <laughs> so for for those who maybe haven't checked out your wedding portfolio what kind of vibe does it portray like oh um, <laughs> I haven't uh, <laughs> spoken about my wedding photography other than to clients for quite a long time. So, um, <laughs> it's very relaxed. Uh, it's very natural. I think I'm a, a very kind of like, I look for emotions in people, but mm-hmm. I'm not sort of going for the, I don't know, the really romantic poses or anything like that. For me, it's about making people laugh or capturing uh-huh. laughter that's happening anyway. I think yes, that's what really gets me with weddings is just expressive faces cool (laughs) actually you know that this is a bit off topic we just had a conversation on the way up to glencoe about a recent couple that they were in uh they weren't in for us they were uh for another photographer um but they were mentioning how they don't like the kind of posed shots you know and then out the corner of the eye they spotted uh, Greg's giving me a look I'm about to throw <laughs> Susie under the bus <laughs> yeah. she she spotted one of Susie's images and it's obviously this couple you know uh, backlit in a in like a lovely green field just like being really close they had this image of in their head of what posed and unposed mm-hmm. would look like um, and they saw that image and they said oh no we don't like that that's posed but I find that so funny because like <laughs> well as Susie puts it everyone poses yeah uh, <laughs> just for one i just love to wind Susie up so Susie, I'm, sure if you're listening, really I'm very sorry i've told the whole world <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it, it's funny how uh how couples can like um how they visualize themselves in photographs you know yeah yeah these guys it's- were they were up for much more of the fun happy like what you've sort of described mm. rather yeah. than 
the lovey-dovey. They're like, yeah. when do you ever stand and put your foreheads together in real life? Yeah. So th- that's the sort of thing that they were talking about they didn't <clears throat> like. Mm. Anyway, that was off topic, so I'll, <laughs> I'll get back I'll get back on. Um, well, hopefully you're not drowning in uh, wedding backlog at the moment. I mean, it's underway, but hopefully you're still able to kind of process through your weddings. But your underwater images are breathtaking. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk more about your underwater stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's um, um, more comfortable talking about that, I guess, and more practiced on talking about that than my wedding photography, which is crazy, really, seeing as I've been a wedding yes. photographer for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, well, your underwater stuff has kind of taken off as of late. So... Let, let's chat about pursuing and combining your your passions. So obviously you've got a passion for photography and I'm assuming you had a passion for swimming, right? Yes. No, no, I learned how to swim to do this. No. <laughs> no I have <laughs> I always say, loved That would be a very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, be a so, really good story, wouldn't it? Damn it. So was this like a childhood hobby or... Yeah, I think I was, uh, I was encouraged into the sea from, yeah, probably before I was born, you know, when I was in my mum's tummy, it was kind of like in the sea and, um, because I, it was something I was raised with. It never seemed like a daunting place that I think speaking to some people, they find the idea of being underwater quite, um, yeah, just quite scary, really. Uh I've just, yeah, I grew up, I was very lucky to go on nice kind of like, holidays where I could just be with a snorkel and mask on and my parents just wouldn't see me for hours because I'd just be gone <laughs> diving down and <laughs> like looking for shells and things like that <laughs> yeah I, I I'm a big fan of swimming myself so that that would be me on holidays uh although funny enough actually I'm I'm having this memory which I find hilarious I'm obviously a big swimmer I would do scuba diving I would nice. happily do anything like that Although having a shark come towards me kind of freaks me out. But my wife, on the other hand, does not like the sea. She doesn't like fish. She doesn't like the <laughs> unknown. Um, so when we were on our honeymoon, <laughs> I, I, dove in, <laughs> I dove into the water with snorkels and stuff. And I thought, Lindsay, you'll love this. There's not that many fish. You know, It's a small boat. It's fine. Not that many people come over. Anyway, she jumped onto me. And pushed me under as she scrambled to get back on the boat. She <laughs> and then she just lost the ability to swim. She grabbed onto another person who was in the water and did the same to them, almost drowned oh, them. No. Just to scramble back on the boat. Oh my god, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so you're right. Some people actually do find the water really scary. Yeah. Sorry, Lindsay. I'm throwing everyone under the bus today. <laughs> under the boat. <laughs> Yeah. I'm throwing everyone <laughs> under the boat. That's right. That's right. So oh, has, man. has swimming always been about open water and snorkeling and diving for you? Uh, I, I much prefer that. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, when I was when I was a teenager, I used to be like part of a swim club. So like competing for my local town, you know, and breaststroke was my stroke of choice. So I did a lot of kind of like swimming pool training back in those days. So I guess mm-hmm. I had... Um, I was given a good sort of like basis for having good stroke technique and things like that um, being taught from a young age. But since stopping doing that, the kind of like swimming in pools, I always used to find it quite, I don't know, chlorine and not 
not ideal when you can just be in the sea. Mm-hmm. But that said, I'm a bit of a wuss, so the sea is a bit cold for me <laughs> down <laughs> here in uh, in Brighton. Um, I imagine mm-hmm. it could be even worse up there in in Scotland. But oh yeah, yeah, I do. I, yeah, I do train in a swimming pool twice a week now, just because. Um, yeah, it's just my way of being able to exercise and. It's the only form of exercise I enjoy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't like the cold, I would definitely not recommend going out to Scotland because it is uh, the water up here is Baltic. The, the, <laughs> Bring my wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> you you should. The the bride, funnily enough, from Glencoe, she we were by a lake. She dipped her toe in and said, "Oh, it's not actually as cold as I thought. It's kind of warm." And of course, everyone else did it. She was lying. It was yeah. ridiculously cold. It was cold. Oh my god! Do you know what temperature to... the water is up there at the moment? Uh, you no. know what? I'm actually, I actually do not know the temperature of the water. All I know is it's avoidable. <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, avoidable. I don't measure it. I don't measure it. Um, <laughs> I think it's about nine degrees down here in the sea at the moment, and I was yeah, I was in for the first dip of the year um, on Saturday, and that was. Yeah, feet numbingly cold. Yes, yes. Luckily, you had that sauna to go and warm up. Yeah, in. exactly. <laughs> the question is: Are you are you a gentle? Ease yourself in and ease yourself in. Dive in. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to do it pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's okay, just okay. excruciating. Otherwise, they they say it's like <laughs> ripping off a plaster, isn't it? You've got to just do it. But yeah, I don't mm. normally dive in. I normally will go feet first in. I think. Ah, so more okay. of a more of a bomb than a dive. I'm not that <laughs> graceful. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, how did you start combining? Obviously, your love of swimming with photography. Then, how, how did that all come about? Um, so, I think the first time I dabbled in underwater photography was actually when I did my degree. So that was yeah, looking you were looking about 15 years ago. But that was a, it was just yeah, a real dabble. I bought myself a um, Nikonis camera which was like a 1970s tank of a camera and it was designed <laughs> especially for underwater photography it was mm-hmm. 35 mil film and yeah it was a really lovely thing and I did some um, I remember doing some photo shoots with friends in swimming pools um, I was mm-hmm. a member of my um, my local rugby team at the time and mm-hmm. uh, I gathered together loads of the rugby girls asked them to take their clothes off and did these really quite, <laughs> quite comedy photos underwater. Um, so that was my first kind of dabble. And then from there, I just kind of used that camera on holiday uh, for a few years. And it wasn't until I think maybe about seven years ago that I decided to go digital with the underwater stuff mm. and um, just started experimenting, really. I saw it as a way of doing something purely for myself outside of um, any of the paid work that I did. Mm. So I do a lot of sort of headshot portrait photography as well as weddings. And some of these shoots can be really creative and other times less so. I guess just trying to start a project that was purely for me that would allow me to make something that wasn't for anyone else was quite exciting. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really something that I'd seen many people do that much of so i think being a being a wedding photographer in in this you know today's industry is you're one of um, yeah how many million <laughs> photographers around the world it's it's incredibly yeah. hard to feel like you can stand out in any way when there's so many amazing people out there shooting stuff so i think for me starting a personal project where I didn't have that much competition or they, it wasn't even competition. You know, there's lots of other, other people that shoot portraiture underwater. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not competition because, you know, it's it's not for money for me. Well, originally it wasn't to, to make money. It was just to be creative. So, yeah. Very cool. Are there other are there other underwater photographers that you kind of are inspired by or Oh definitely, yeah. I mean Instagram is a wonderful place for um mm. for finding people that to that make beautiful work and yeah, there's definitely some really lovely underwater photographers out there and they they always uh, live in amazing places that I just think god damn it <laughs> if I, I, I could yeah. live in Hawaii <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean is, is is that kind of frustrating like when you tell people that you're from England but you shoot underwater stuff and they're not like oh it's a bit cold down there like, <laughs> the water's not a bit murky yeah like, I mean I would shoot I, I think the temperature of the water uh, I would be willing to I would be willing to handle if I could shoot in the sea mm-hmm. every day I would. Um, but yeah, it's the murkiness that prevents me from yeah. doing this so much here. Although I have got a couple of trips um, over the next few months that are taking me to, uh, I'm going to Cornwall in a couple of weeks and then oh. uh, West Wales in June. So cool. I'm going to just, yeah, I'm going to do lots of swimming around the coastline there just to scope out locations and see this is where I've I've heard you can get some really beautifully clear water in the UK. So, oh really? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued. And I'm sure yeah. the fact that you don't live in Hawaii it means when you get to go to warmer climates, it's more special. It's more exciting. Definitely. Yeah, I guess that is a really good way of looking at it. Um, I, I think a lot of people will choose the sort of the place where they live and then forget how wonderful it is. It becomes like wallpaper and. Yeah, for me to go to destinations to do my work is um, it'll always be experimental and new and fun when I visit different locations. So yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's funny that you you said that. We often say that in the show. Like, uh, how, how many people in Glasgow that you know just don't even go up north or don't travel to some of the amazing places in Scotland? Crazy, right, Greg? Yeah. So you're right, it's, it's, even in our own country, we go to somewhere new and it's just a totally different change of scenery. It feels like you're going abroad. And Definitely. Yeah, I just, I love that energy that you, that you want to put that energy in to capture something unique, you know? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously uh, we've mentioned farm. I feel like we mention photography farm on this podcast bloody all the time. <laughs> Uh, Lisa, I'm coming for you for a sponsor money. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously I mentioned that I missed the beginning of your talk. What I realized after the talk was it was actually the film that I had missed. Now, obviously, uh... you had a collaboration with Wex and Sony, uh, yes. which is recently published. Am I right in saying that? Yes. Um, yeah. I think it, it was published on Friday. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was actually, it was lovely to watch. If, if For those out there who don't know, it's a behind-the-scenes glimpse um, of an incredible project uh, shot in the enchanting cenotes of uh, Mexico. And it's titled yes. The Under... Uh, it's called, it's titled Under the Surface. <laughs> I'm uh, glad you remembered that. I was like, God, what's it called I again? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I almost butchered it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you can, you can find that on uh, Lexi's Facebook page. And I would highly recommend that you check out if you haven't seen it um i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so you can get there quickly it's really cool it's 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 awesome to kind of see the behind the scenes stuff but do do you want to talk us through the project ah yeah of course happy to um yeah so it's just it's been pretty amazing really i think it was um on 2nd of january this year that i was given the call to say that the go ahead for um the project 
um, had been given. So um, I had a month to plan the trip to shoot it. And basically, I was asked to make a behind the scenes little sort of documentary about me, about how I work, uh, that was going to be shown on the Wex Photo Video um, YouTube channel and on their mm-hmm. Facebook page. So that's another way that you can you can view the film. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was amazing. Really, really incredible. Uh, I took my favorite model with me. Uh, her name is Yara. She's a, a good friend of mine now. We met sort of five years ago mm-hmm. whilst I was traveling. And we also found an amazing filmmaker called Ollie Putnam. I spent ages trying to find somebody that would be able to do uh, underwater filming, above yeah. water filming. And mm. I kind of had this idea that I'd like to have some drone footage sort of flying over the Sonatos as well, just because yeah. it's so kind of like in an intense amount of jungle um, or, that surround these little beautiful pools of water. So I thought it'd be quite cool. And yeah, so I found this guy, Ollie, and um, we had a real, real fun time making it, you know, lots of laughter. <laughs> 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 and uh yeah so the snotes are these kind of like for anyone who hasn't been to that area of mexico it's uh they don't have any rivers that run mm. sort of a- above ground they're all mm-hmm. underground rivers yeah right and yeah the snotes are these kind of like little pools that appear when the limestone collapses above one of these rivers so you get these little pools and there's like six thousand of these amazing little wow. snotes around that region of mexico so as you can imagine, I sort of arrived and was like had a list that I'd sort of researched beforehand. <laughs> you know, can you see a photo online and think, mm-hmm. oh, that has potential, but you you don't know until you actually sort of drive from location to the next to find out its its limitations and things like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, <laughs> it was a good learning curve, and also actually having the camera turned around and put on me was a challenge because, <laughs> uh, like many photographers, you know not always a fan of, of yeah doing that kind of thing yeah yeah speak it speak it i think the the audio for it was the hardest thing for me had to re-record it possibly about a thousand times i think <laughs> <You> <laughs> i what, feel the, very sorry for the filmmaker who's just like <laughs> seriously can you not just say one sentence without messing it up <laughs> <laughs> was that was that the nope. interview was that the interview section or did did you, yeah. did you dub in some stuff in the studio yeah, we ended up having to dub in most of it. Yeah, <laughs> most of it. Was such a disaster. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, yeah. it, it, interviewing is definitely hard on both the interviewer and the interviewee. It's 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 a total skill set. Yeah, well, you're very good is... at interviewing. I have to say, oh, st- stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I just I just chat about myself. Greg's like, oh no, here he goes again. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously uh, 600 pools, 600? 6,000. Uh, 6,000 pools, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I didn't I, go I, to all of them. <laughs> no, no. How many did you go to? Uh, probably only about 30 in total, maybe less on, than that only even. 30. That's a lot. Well, I think I think there were quite a few that we could just rule out from the get-go because of uh-huh. various yeah. things like how touristy they were. So some... Uh, the, the thing with these cenotes is they're all privately owned. Um, oh, right. So, okay. yeah, somebody will buy the land and they'll put a barrier around the area and you'll have this nice, friendly Mexican guy sitting at the gate asking for money for you to go in. So they also have opening hours as well, which is quite frustrating. So, like, oh. for me, I would just go, like, you know, at sunset and uh-huh. there'd be nobody else around and it would be perfect. But, you know, they were closed at that time. So yeah, it was kind of like crowd avoidance 
uh, <laughs> combined with um yeah just trying to get the right look from the the depth of the water and the clarity of the water and things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i'm assuming the tourists didn't just interrupt your your wrecking of the locations but they must have gotten in the way of your shooting yeah there were a couple of moments where um <laughs> the uh ollie the film guy was just like absolutely flabbergasted at this um this woman who just sort of breaststroked straight into the scene that he was filming <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i'd be raging <laughs> the look on his face was a was a picture <laughs> yeah i mean it's funny right so you're you're taking the shot and then maybe a member of public doesn't quite know that you're filming and just walks in front of you i feel like that is it's kind of the same thing, but I feel like you have to have intention to swim into someone's shot, right? <laughs> Surely it's just way more obvious. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't know. What well, if you don't see them? They're underwater. You dive yeah. in. You're like, oh man, I'm between a photographer and a model now. Oh my. <laughs> how blind must you be to get yourself right in the middle of this? Yeah. So, so how long did, did taking the film, how long was the project and how long did the film take? So we were there for a couple of weeks. I was shooting still photography every day while we're there, but we only filmed the, um, I think, maybe six days of filming. So mm-hmm. it was actually quite a long time for only a six-minute film, but <laughs> yeah. I was um, there was a little bit of a... Um, yeah, control freak, I think. And <laughs> with all the footage, I was like, oh, yeah, I love that, Ollie. That was great. But can we do it again where my hair looks a little bit? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I am totally joking. Just, yeah, there were definitely kind of like ideas that I had for kind of like extra bits of footage. So he, mm-hmm. he just went above and beyond and, yeah, did extra days filming for me, which uh, was really sweet of him just to Very- kind of get it just right. Yeah. And, nice. uh- Ollie, if you ever do listen to this, you did a great job. I love the film. Can we can we put a link to his Instagram or something in the in the show notes, Greg? Yeah, we'll yes. find out from Alex. Yeah, there. I'm sure he'd yep. really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, this sounds like a very big production. Obviously, you've got behind the scenes <laughs> with does, you and everything. <laughs> what's what's the a typical shoot like for you? Do you scout out a location and then come up with an idea, or what's a typical um, shoot like? Yeah, so I'll, we'll always have a sort of a location in mind the night before. A lot of the time I shoot on, um, <clears throat> when I'm not in Mexico, I shoot in a, a very nice um, location in the Mediterranean uh, on a little island called Formentera. Oh, right. Um, and it's a very small island, which is great because uh, usually the night before or the morning of, you'll be able to sort of see what the wind direction is like and go to an area of the island where you know the sea will be at its calmest. Um, So, yeah, I know that that island really well. It does mean that we go to the same locations quite regularly. So that's, yeah, I guess why it's nice to be asked to do a project like this one in Mexico where it was just completely different. Yeah, the locations were all foreign and it was a challenge for sure. I think um, at the time of shooting, I was so kind of like concerned about the challenges that I was facing that I didn't think that I was going to get any anything that I'd be really pleased with, sort of from the the still imagery point of view. Mm. But I was prioritising making the, the film anyway, so right. I just thought, kind of like you know, if I get some still images out of this, and this will be great. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pleased with what I what I got out of it. It was good. Um, and the images are yeah. fantastic, by the way. 
Yeah. Like, tra- oh, like <laughs> absolutely astonishing. Yeah. So you mentioned that you took your favorite model with you. Do you have, I'm assuming the models have to be pretty skilled at diving as well. Yeah. So do you have like a group of people that you try and use? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've worked with a few models before. Um, some better than others when it comes to kind of looking natural underwater. And that's the, the real key thing is that being a professional model does not necessarily mean that you'll look good underwater. So it's kind of like seeking out people that are just water babies, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Yara, who who came to Mexico with us and who I shoot with in Formentera, she is like the most insanely gifted underwater person that I've ever come across. It is crazy how she can just look like she is above water and her facial expressions, you know, just yeah. so utterly relaxed and content with wafting around in the water in nice dresses it's quite mm. impressive and she yeah. when we were in mexico we, I, I took a massive great big wedding dress with me in my suitcase and <laughs> okay. um i got her to put that on in one of the shoots and I, and she coped with it so so well you know it's kind of constantly sort of on i don't know just sort of waiting for her to start struggling and for you have to you know to, to get people involved in um helping her to stay above water, but she didn't need any assistance at all. Mm. She was, yeah. Very awesome. Brilliant is, is there like a, obviously you mentioned the dresses, is there a sort of dress that is better underwater or yeah. like color wise or it's material? It's really hard to know until you, until you try really. I always, yeah. um, I buy a lot of dresses on eBay and go to charity shops and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think light colors tend to look really nice. Uh-huh. But then, you know, you kind of get to the point where you just think if I'm always shooting in a kind of creamy colored floaty dress, then it's going to get really repetitive. So, mm. yeah, I just kind of try and keep things different by buying new things, trying new colors and uh-huh. just, yeah, different styles of dresses and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually in the in the midst of making a dress at the moment which is uh, a whole new uh, skill set for me. <laughs> All right. I'm machine out. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Very cool. So that's for my next project. I'm, I'm actually going on my next shooting trip in about a month's time. Oh, only about a month's time, yeah. How does it feel to be making your own dress and then to realise that you're about to destroy it? <laughs> does that feel good or it's fine actually because it's not gonna look particularly good you wouldn't want to wear it above water put it that uh, way oh um, right, okay okay it's actually going to be made out of plastic bags largely so it's oh, really? like a little bit of a, a little bit of a statement about single-use plastic plastic mm. like yeah oh, i love that i love that is that is that something you're quite passionate about like the the protecting our oceans and seas and stuff Definitely. I mean, yeah. it's really, it, it's very easy to feel completely powerless mm-hmm. when you see, you know, kind of the state of what our world is like because of mm. what we've done to it as humans. So, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> Other than trying to reduce on a personal level, it's it's really hard to know what to do. So, yeah, I guess making a little bit of a, a statement in, in one of my photos might be interesting. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, that's gonna be awesome! I'm, I'm actually genuinely really looking forward to that. Have you have you seen any of the uh, these videos on YouTube where obviously they do it like a like a shoot session with the with the bride and groom, and the bride dives into the water and almost drowns? Have you, have you seen these? <laughs> no, I, is that intentional? Would, no, is it intentional no. or is it like the accidental kind of? Well, they they jump in on purpose, 
But the way that she jumps in normally uh, is yeah, like the, she to... goes all all the way through the material and it kind of covers her over yeah. the head. Man, I would feel like I'd feel super nervous. Definitely, I think that is like it's so easy to forget how powerful the sea is, and mm. yeah, it always it commands a lot of respect. So yeah. yeah, I'm 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 super cautious. I don't shoot with new people in the sea mm-hmm. uh, until I've kind of tested them out in a in a swimming pool first. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't put anybody in a giant wedding dress. I only tried it with Yara because I knew how brilliant she is, and uh-huh. and there were the three of us there. So if she had got into any difficulty, we could have assisted her. She was only about maybe three meters away from the side of the cenote. So yeah. We could have cool. easily got her up and to safety. So, yeah, mm. I think the safety element of doing underwater photography is is important. And mm. I think, yeah, good to mention for sure. I think a lot of photographers are risk takers, aren't they? You know, mm-hmm. putting couples on the edges of cliffs to get that right shot and <gasps> things like that. Oh, man. Yeah, I there's some uh, an image comes to mind where it's just a couple and they're it's like an infinity pool, but one of them is hanging off the edge, being held by the other. And I'm thinking, this is a photograph, and you're dangling essentially off a cliff just for Instagram fame. Mental. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I, I think they said that they felt safe and, and everything else, but can you really be that safe if you're covered in water or hanging off a, a, a stone cliff? And then two, you're inspiring other people to do this stuff. Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. sorry. That's by the by. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. totally agree. And I think, yeah, I think I feel like it's kind of in my um, responsibility to yeah, always talk about safety when mm. whenever I talk to anyone about my work because... Yeah. It could just be assumed that it's you could get anyone in the water and and it would be fine. But yeah, yeah, it takes an extraordinary human, I think, to be able to manage that amount of weight. Yeah, that's good that you uh, you said that because yeah, you don't want people to get the wrong impression. So it's obviously a big deal. <laughs> in fact, that's actually one thing that stood out to me in, in in your film was the fact that you you free dive. Yes. Now, for those who don't know what free diving is, can you explain to them what this is? Yeah, sure. So um, it is basically the art of breath hold, I guess, is a way to sum, sum it up. It's a, it's a sport, but I see it as an art as well. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a way of kind of conditioning your body to get used to the, the feeling of CO2 buildup in your lungs so that you can just prolong that amount of time that you can spend holding your breath and therefore enjoy more time underwater. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm a member of an amazing uh, freedive club here in the UK called No Tanks. <laughs> it's a great name for a club, I think. No Tanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's but with an X. <laughs> awesome. And it's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, so it's there. Some philosophy of basically the way to become a, a better freediver is mm-hmm. to to really kind of relax into it, for it not to be a competitive thing, but for it to be about enjoyment, enjoyment only, really. So, um, yeah, it's just a really kind of like lovely meditative thing to do, you know, and I train with them twice a week. So it's just a really, really lovely way to reset my, no, my clock. Sorry, my computer keeps making these loud noises. Can you hear that on your end? Is it like a bird? Not- I can hear a bird, that's it. You can hear a bird. That's oh, yeah, I've got lots of birds in my car. <laughs> it's a very pleasant sound. I mean, is, there, is it a bird? Surrounded by bird songs. No, I, I, think my, I think I keep getting notifications and it's making loud donging noises. Oh, no, you're, sudden, so. you're fine. I've not noticed it. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the bird song is pretty deafening here. Uh, <laughs> it's, we've got a nice little cottage in the um, in the country in the South Downs near Brighton, and it's yeah, mm, it's nice. very sweet here. Okay, mm. this that that is genuinely the image that I had pictured in my head. You sitting in this lovely cottage with surrounded by forest. With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. Right, so how did you start freediving? Was that just um, a development of your, your swimming as a child and you just yeah, wanted to I do that? So. Or like, was that inspired I, by your photographs? I'd been, yeah, it was inspired by doing the photography, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I trained as a scuba diver probably maybe 12 years ago. Okay. And But when I started doing the underwater photography, I didn't want to use all of that gear for, for doing the shoots, pretty much because I, I knew that I always wanted to photograph people under the wa- underwater. So uh-huh. I think to have all of that kind of like scuba equipment was unnecessary, really, because... One, I'd be going up and down above the surface, below the surface, you know, um, to communicate with the person that I was shooting. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they they wouldn't have oxygen to use underwater. So why should I? Do you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. wanted to be in the same conditions as the person that I was shooting. So, um, so yeah, I started doing my underwater photography with just like breath holds as a technique. And I, it wasn't until... Um, a year ago that I was just doing some research online and discovered that there was a freediving club here in the UK that I could join. I just assumed it was the kind of thing that I would have to learn whilst on holiday, like scuba diving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that I'd want to do freediving in the UK just because it's too cold in the sea. But <laughs> yeah, so um, a, a club that's based in London largely, but also has a Brighton branch and mm-hmm. they do pool training twice a week and then also run nice trips to places all over the UK and all over Europe and as far as Egypt and things like that as well. So it's been a really nice thing to um, learn to do and get better at. So yeah. it's really helped my ability to hold my breath longer, be a lot more confident with it underwater as well, like that ability to go into sort of a, a Zen mode where um, I don't really have to kind of concentrate too much on um anything other than what i'm seeing mm-hmm. yeah. it's really really lovely i think also because i've got a really um he was call- calling me a sony pony <laughs> earlier. um so i shoot with the sony a7 III and the say a7 r3 and i've kind of got to know these cameras so brilliantly well now that i don't have to really kind of think too much about what settings I've, i'm you know, setting changes that I'm making and things like that. Like a lot of the time I'll do a kind of um, a, a light test near the surface to, to, you know, decide on my settings. And then when I'm actually down underwater, I'm just kind of like moving my focal, um, my toggle, toggling my focus around the, the scene to, mm-hmm. to actually take the shot. So I'm not having to really kind of like think about my uh, camera gear or worry about my camera gear too much. So uh-huh. yeah, it's nice. 
Yeah, that yeah, must be good for helping you connect with your model, the fact that you can switch off from thinking about taking the photos and you're in the same yeah, circumstance as well feeling. with holding breath as well. So mm. is, do you feel there's a good connection with the model? Yeah, for sure. I think um, Yara and I have built up such a connection where it's, I kind of think sometimes when we're underwater, she can read my mind. It's really <laughs> quite an odd yeah. sort of thing. Like. We've just got. To, I think she just understands my my vision and what I'm trying to achieve in in the f- photos that we take. So uh, that really helps. Mm-hmm. And I'm also quite bossy, I guess. So when we're on the <laughs> surface and kind of like you know breathing out between dives, then I'll I'll be quite sort of descriptive sometimes about where I want her to go, like sort of pointing to different you know like a rock that's beneath us or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then what I want her to do to get there, and then you know, what I want her facial expression to be or something like that, you know, just, um, yeah, quite descriptive in my, my directing. But then other times just let, letting her sort of play and dance in the water is really lovely as well. She's, mm. She moves she moves very brilliantly. Yeah. And um, so for the, the film that, um, that we were talking about, the, the Mexico film, mm-hmm. um, I did a little bit, of, little bit of the filming for that. Um, Ollie obviously did the majority of it, but I did a few clips some of the clips towards the end where she's just kind of like dancing in the water mm. and they're, they're shown in slow motion. It's just like, that's kind of given me a little bit of a bug for doing some more film stuff. Yeah. That's I guess, very cool. I guess that's one of the benefits of being Sony is that it can do both super well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. And, um, and to have the two cameras, I find the a seven R three is brilliant for doing, um, the stills for sure like the resolution of that has been really useful in that i can print a1 even a0 and there doesn't seem to be any kind of deterioration in the images which is really really nice for me mm. um but yeah the a7 3 i use for doing little clips little film clips and it's fun to learn i'm mm. really liking it as a new challenge very cool very cool i have a random question okay. to do with free diving though right so <laughs> <laughs> Greg and I, I mean, this was maybe a year ago, two years ago, maybe. We were in yeah. Lanzarote for a wedding. We had a, a, another, it was an older Sony that Greg owns. We bought a little... The RX100, just the, the point and shoot. Yeah, an RX100. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice, that camera. Um, yeah. it, 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 I've seen a, a few friends of mine um, have used to use that for um, doing underwater filming. Uh-huh, uh-huh. well, <laughs> this is where I'm getting at. Um, this is where I'm getting to, rather. So... Greg and I decide, okay, well, actually me, because I, I always like shooting underwater. I wanted to do a pool shoot ages ago, but didn't have equipment. Uh, we bought a little bag. Obviously, I'm sure you're familiar with the oh, yeah. you know, zip-up bag. One of the, the Amazon specials. The Amazon <laughs> specials, that's right. No, the cheapest. I think Liam, Liam Crawley at, um, at fo- uh, uh, Photography Farm, Liam Crawley called them uh, glorified sandwich bags. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so... We we, we took them, um, and on the day that we weren't shooting, we decided to to do a wee scouting location um, before the couple shoot. And we went for a swim, and my intention would be to uh, shoot Greg underwater. Now, we didn't. I didn't shoot very well. I couldn't really control the settings in the bag. I was paranoid because it was actual no. Greg's camera, <laughs> not Cinemate's camera, so I wasn't sure properly. <sighs> so the question I'm asking, right, so... When I dove under the water and I wanted to go all the way down to the bottom, I would feel a yeah. lot of pressure on my head and ears and stuff. Yeah. How would you dive under the water and not feel that pressure? Not feel that pressure. Um, so 
it's just about equalizing really and okay. i think that's another thing we do practice with in my uh, free diving club it's it's one of the biggest challenges that that people face i think is mm-hmm. is uh, working out how to equalize the air spaces that you have in your head right okay um definitely um yeah a, a lot of people struggle with it it's it's not easy to do mm-hmm. um it's just practice there's lots of different kind of like techniques that you can use to practice okay of um your awareness about your air spaces and how to clear them and mm-hmm. but it, i mean e- even when you're you're really good at equalizing when you're like 30 meters deep the, the just the pressure of the water on your on your rib cage is in, so immense so your lungs are like a sort of quarter of the size that they regularly are above the surface so mm. and it's it is a it's a physical challenge on on the human body for sure mm. yeah okay cool 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 so yeah my answer is practice <laughs> practice. Uh, how, how, practice how do you equalize the air in your head um is it, so is that... some people like pinch their nose and do that sort of a slight sort of blowout cool you know okay. when you're on an airplane and yes. you want to try and clear your ears got you um okay. and then you can learn techniques for, for doing that same thing but without having to touch your face without having to use your your hands and your nose so more of a um a gentle equalize of a gradual thing that you do constantly as you're as you're working your way down mm-hmm. into the depths i will uh mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't think i'm going to be in the warm seas of, of lanzarote too often so uh but next time i <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll try it um <laughs> yeah okay so uh, have you have you noticed since uh publishing your underwater content that you you know your your wedding clients have changed is that a- um i tend to keep my my business is quite separate actually mm-hmm. okay. um just because i don't know i have the the idea that if people if wedding clients think that you know wedding photography isn't my first love that i'm not going to be as passionate about it okay uh-huh. and that's far from far from the truth because i i really enjoy doing wedding photography as well yeah so i have just kind of like chosen to have them as, as two very separate things hence coming up with the pseudonym lexi lane yeah it's kind of like a, a spin-off from my actual name alexa clark kent um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think what I do with the underwater stuff definitely impacts my the way I shoot weddings. It's definitely changed me as a photographer. Uh-huh. It kind of keeps it helps it, it helps to keep me inspired. And I think I think I find the wedding industry can be incredibly noisy online. You know, when you're constantly seeing other brilliant wedding photographers work and comparing yourself to these people. And I suffer from a sort of a a lack of confidence, I guess, mm-hmm. with my work generally, um, but especially when it comes to wedding photography, just because there are so many people all fighting to do to be the best, and mm-hmm. and it's an amazing it's amazing community to be, community to be part of, but it's also a little bit daunting at times. So I think mm-hmm. for me, taking a step back a, a few times a year where I can go and make work that's completely different, it does revive me to come back to weddings with. A, a sense of calm mm-hmm. and uh, a sense of uh, I'm not going to be try to be as competitive with my work not like thinking oh what will what will other wedding photographers think about my work I think that is the yeah. that is the concern that most people have I think if you mm. if you really think about it it's not you're not really concerned about what potential clients think about your work obviously you do because you want to you want to book potential clients but mm-hmm. when it comes to that that real sort of judgment i think it's always kind of when you post things what will other wedding photographers think about this shot and i just 
it's something that I try to avoid now, I think, just... Yeah, yeah try not to worry about it. <laughs> I, I, I find it amazing how many um, amazing photographers we've spoken to on the podcast still have this sense of imposter syndrome, you know? And I and I, I partly feel like, obviously, social media is to blame. If I, I'm being, I feel like I'm being very negative on social media on this episode today. I love social media. It's great. <laughs> it's such a great tool. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of mental state that people can get themselves into. It's like, oh, yeah, you've, you've been inspired by so many other photographers. You've seen their works. Like... Oh, I'm just comparing myself. Is you know, have I? Am, am I doing it right? Have I been, you know, as we spoke to? I, I don't know if you know Craig and Eva Saunders, um, photography, but uh, husband and wife team. Craig was saying how he's yeah, has he been faking? Oh yeah, you did your one of your last podcasts yeah. with them. Is that right? Yes, yes. I haven't um, had a chance to listen to that yet, but I will. Oh, that, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. He, he he mentions has he just fluked these past 300 weddings or you know is is this the wedding is going to get found out that he's an, a, an imposter like someone you know I, I just find it's it's it's, uh, it's funny uh, the mindsets that we can get ourselves into and in looking at other people's work and yeah you mentioned that the underwater stuff sort of helps with your inspiration and mental state for weddings is there any practical things that you think it's influenced like for instance like directing the couple yeah Ooh. that's interesting you should say that i was thinking about this recently and i think i'm quite a quite a noisy shooter in that i'm often sort of directing people i'm quite verbal when i'm shooting couples okay yeah, i think it does vary from couple to couple whether they need direction i uh. might hold back a little bit uh i think with the underwater photography obviously i have to be silent when i'm doing that i can't communicate whilst i'm underwater so it really kind of like takes away that control, which for me being a little bit of a control freak, I think is quite a good thing to <laughs> just shut me up for a minute. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I've definitely taken elements of, of shooting in that approach to weddings, like actually consciously going into, you know, a period of a couple portrait shoot where I just think I'm just going to not say anything for a minute and see what, how it plays out mm-hmm. and, you know, I think embracing the awkward sometimes is quite an interesting yeah. thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess also knowing your camera inside out comes from having to do that underwater. Mm. So when it comes to weathering, you just, you know exactly how far you can yeah. push it sort of thing. Definitely. I think, um, I think, yeah, conditions are, are pretty extreme underwater when it comes to light. Uh, I think dealing with light and the harshness of light underwater is really quite a big challenge so that kind of can uh, be used quite nicely in you know midday sun for an outdoor ceremony in um in weddings as well mm. that sort of the ability to cope with harsh conditions and and yeah knowing knowing how my camera can handle underexposure so you don't lose highlights and things like that yeah they are really brilliant those sony's for the uh the dynamic range yeah i think that the difference between knowing the camera like the back of my hand if i've been shooting a long project underwater where um i've been away for a few weeks and i'm literally just kind of like doing two shoots a day i get so used to what my camera feels like within its housing and where all the buttons are all on right. the housing yeah and then suddenly going back to shooting above water when i'm back in the uk and doing like portrait shoots and weddings and things like that it is quite different. It's like, <laughs> oh, so small. For that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know my camera can do this, but it's like, yeah, it's suddenly smaller and um, 
but it's so so much more heavy out of the water. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it doesn't doesn't weigh much at all when you're in the water. It's really nice. <laughs> Obviously, you mentioned that you keep your 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 kind of businesses separate. Have you like business wise? Do you get hired by divers to shoot their weddings? Is that a thing? Um, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it will be. Sure. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't shot any divers' weddings before, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think in the future I'm really looking at trying to get the odd kind of like destination wedding. Where, yeah, I mean that's the ideal, isn't it? If I'm going to be really picky about my ideal client here, I want them to get married on an island <laughs> in the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. preferably. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm nice light and if they could both be divers of some kind as well very then cool. um that would be ideal yeah that's cool <laughs> it's a very niche niche little <laughs> and it, bit of the market i'll carve out for myself yeah no it is super niche in fact i was thinking is it too niche is that going to make sense as a question but yeah let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> everyone has their dream client right <laughs> yeah yes we do yes we do uh, right so what advice would you give to someone then who feels they want to incorporate one of their hobbies or passions into their photography is there any advice that you would give them oh and obviously it doesn't need to be like maybe um, their hobby isn't swimming or whatever i think that's i think that's a really hard thing to think about really mm. i i remember for years i I had people say to me that if you want to do a personal project, pick something that really inspires you, something that you do every day of the week, um, that you could do some really kind of interesting, gritty stance on. And um, I think I mentioned this before, I I used to play rugby and I thought, oh, maybe I could do like a sort of behind the scenes of the rugby girls and things like that. Mm. And I I never did it. (laughs) I retired from rugby before I did that. But (laughs) there was always kind of like that, I need to find that that personal project that is going to be interesting enough for me to want to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And actually finding that starting point is the hardest thing. I think mm-hmm. once you once you get when you find your your passion then it's um it's kind of easy from there really. Just you just carry on doing it regardless of what people think. Yeah. I guess. I think that's where a, a true passion comes into play. It doesn't the um the end result or the um the reaction from people online and things like that doesn't feel as um crucial as as perhaps um other work does mm-hmm. yeah um but as far as advice goes um <laughs> <laughs> not sure really uh-huh. um i had a um i went to a photography farm event oh god probably about three three four years ago um and it was a workshop run by ryan muirhead the photographer oh yeah uh, yes uh-huh. lovely lovely work that he does mm. and i um i was really inspired by his portraiture it's his work is so kind of like emotive so i i not only booked on to do his um workshop but i also booked to have a one-to-one kind of like portfolio review oh, with him very afterwards cool. very cool and he told me at the time that he had kind of like formed this creative relationship with this woman and they would they sort of lived on the opposite sides of America but they would meet up together and spend days at a time just hanging out and taking pictures and and at the time I had kind of like I'd made friends with Yara the the model that came to Mexico with us mm-hmm. um and I was kind of concerned that a lot of the photos that I was showing in my feed were all of her and um he kind of like reassured me and 
kind of encouraged me to try and develop that friendship further really Mm -hmm. so that even if I am just taking the pictures of the same woman again and again but in different locations and different dresses like he kind of challenged me to to make that work and just to be creative with it I suppose Uh um so yeah for that was the best piece of advice that had been given that has been given to me was to like yeah embrace her as a muse and really kind of trying to come up with something special that you wouldn't get when you're just shooting somebody for the first time because you build up such a rapport with somebody mm-hmm. and an understanding of them that it's it becomes something really different and yeah. unique. So I suppose that's the that's the best advice that I've ever got. Um mm-hmm. that's cool, <laughs> I yeah. don't know whether I can relate that to, yeah. to other people. I, I guess, guess in a way she becomes like an accountability partner because she'll maybe be like, right we should really go away a trip now and you'll inspire each other to keep doing this. Definitely. Her, her excitement about the, the images is, is so lovely. It really does kind of, um, yeah, it means so much more than, than if I was just kind of like finding models, paying them and never seeing them again afterwards kind of thing. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an odd thing. So staying on the sort of advice sort of theme if someone has been inspired listening to this to dip their toe into underwater photography, we've obviously <laughs> we've mentioned the sort of the sandwich bag things, but is there any equipment or practical advice that you would give someone just getting started and just seeing how it feels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the sandwich bag approach is um it's certainly a risky one. It's not one that I've tried myself. I remember taking um a friend of mine had one of these things and I tried tried a Canon 5D out in it and it was just like yeah you couldn't access any of the buttons or anything like that and I didn't actually go underwater with it this was just taking photos in the rain using it you know? wow. um so yeah I, I'd find it a challenge to, to use one of those but definitely I mean it's better than than not having anything and they're they're a lot cheaper than than um housings are mm-hmm. for sure I think if you're just testing the water but then again like um Another way is to like you know hunt around on eBay and keep an eye out for for secondhand gear that comes up and it does come up every now and then. Like when I bought all of my Sony gear, um, I obviously sold all of the equipment that I was using before, and um, and that was a lot more affordable than when I first bought it. So it's a good way to do it, I think. If you if you know that you're gonna you're gonna enjoy taking underwater stuff, but you don't want to invest too much, then mm-hmm. yeah, secondhand for sure. Yeah, and for all those who are interested and maybe have the financial backing to just dive straight in there, what what housing oh, do you use? Good puns. I'm so I'm so I'm liking your puns. <laughs> dive straight in there, dip your toe in the water. <laughs> um, uh, so I use um, I have a housing made by Nauticam, mm-hmm. and it is pretty incredible really it's like it's made of solid aluminium i think okay steel it's metal anyway it's like a great big hunk of a beast but um so the sony sits inside it really nicely all of the buttons line up with all of like the custom function buttons and things like that that Mm. i've set up on my sony so i can make really quick setting changes Mm. um and yeah you just kind of like get to learn where all the buttons are on the housing that coincide with the buttons on your on your camera uh-huh. um and it's also got this amazing like vacuum valve system on it as well so once you close the housing up you use this kind of like like i suppose a reverse bicycle pump where you're sucking the air out of the housing so it creates a vacuum 
and it has an alarm system. So when you're diving, when you're underwater, if for any reason the vacuum was breached and some uh, water started going into the housing, then an alarm system would start going off. That's pretty handy. (laughs) Very handy, yeah. So you can like get yourself above water, get your camera out of the water before the actual camera inside gets damaged. Uh So uh it's a nice sort of reassuring thing. So I I never have any kind of like fear when I'm in the water of my equipment. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's trustworthy and reliable and yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what you need really. Yeah, very cool. In in, in terms of housing, uh, are they built for a certain camera or are they kind of like a universal? They are camera specific. Okay, cool. Although I'm really lucky that the, the model that I bought fits the a7 III and the a7r3 which happen to be the two cameras that i have that is very um, handy yes i mean that's another great thing about the sony bodies as they kind of like brought out a wave of them at the same time that all pretty much identical in yeah. where the button placements were and things like that mm. so um i'm fairly certain i could possibly use an a9 in in that housing as well because that's a very similar shaped camera mm-hmm. so yeah what about one sort of practical tip if someone's on holidays sort of what, is there a certain time of day that's best for trying out underwater stuff? Um, yeah, so I like I like early-ish and late-ish. So sunset or sunrise is really nice. But then it's, I, I guess maybe an hour or two hours after sunrise is quite good because you want to get some angle to the, yeah, it's kind of like the, the greater the distance the sun goes through the water than the harder it can be to work with but then again when the sun is like dead above you then you get the same kind of issues that you get at midday ceremonies and yeah mm. you know above water stuff yeah. like wedding photography so yeah Do you- yeah i think light is quite similar in some ways like you it, when the sun is in and it's just a cloudy day you'll get a lot more soft lighting and that has a completely different look to the photos as well mm-hmm. do, do you um, need to move your uh, model around to different locations depending on like like do you need to dive deeper say if it's like overhead sun or yeah definitely yeah. that's what i would do if it's if it's overhead then i'd go deeper and the, the um you know you get those real sort of like harsh sort of rays of mm. light that sort of i don't know whether you've seen it on your skin when you're in the swimming pool and you get those kind of like almost looks like tiger stripes yes. kind of like bright highlights sort of really beautiful but it's it looks a bit shit in photos i think <laughs> yeah yeah, it's more of a video type thing. I can't thing. believe I swore. I swore. Oh, oh, you no, no, you've ruined it. You've ruined it. <laughs> oh, you got to. I was trying my hardest not to have one of those explicit lyrics that just come up on the book. So sorry. Can't help Your mum's going to be on the phone. I can't believe you swore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, she's used to that. <laughs> Hopefully some listeners have been inspired to take up some of their hobbies and incorporate them with their photography. Yeah. Keep some sort of passion projects going mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you can just find some time to dedicate to a little project however small it is and it doesn't have to be you know a great a grand thing I, I kind of wish i do i did have something that i could do on a daily basis here in the uk yeah. <laughs> um i think that's maybe my next challenge from here is to come up with a a new project that uh that i can do more regularly mm. It's important. It's good to stay inspired. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Well, I look forward to seeing whatever you come up with. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you want to plug your your Instagram handles and your the rest of your social Ooh, media thank plugs? You. 
Yes, please. Please follow me on Instagram. I don't have many followers. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Lexi Lane photo on on Instagram. It's um, Lexi with an I, and Lane also has an I in it as well. And I am uh, doing a talk in the uh, not so distant future um, for Photography Farm at Farmers Market, um, and I'll be talking a little bit about how to stay inspired um, and talking about personal projects generally very cool uh so yeah i think that the the dates for those will be announced soon and but it's in october at photography farm farmer's market yeah i would highly recommend people go along to that it's they're they're good events Yes, thank you and yeah if anybody wants to watch the little film that i made then it is on um, Wex Photo Videos uh, YouTube channel at the moment, or you can find a link from from my Facebook page onto that as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, why not give Ollie a wee f- Ollie Putnam? Yes. Why not give to- him a follow as well, listeners? Because uh, it's good to support people. Yes, do yeah. Follow him on Instagram. He does amazing stuff. He he um he's very passionate about sharks generally Ooh. and he does uh, he's done some incredible incredible films with um i saw one recently that he did with whale shark with, uh, was it one whale shark yeah and it was just just the most close-up footage that i've ever seen uh, the most incredible looking encounter that as a viewer makes you feel like you were there with that whale shark mm. and so incredibly beautiful and inspiring mm. to watch Did- yeah, he's a good person. Do you remember earlier in the podcast when I said about my, my own fears in the water and uh, I mentioned a shark in the water <laughs> is something I'm scared of? I'm sorry, Ollie. <laughs> I will not be watching your shark video. Oh, I am so sorry. I'm going to go and check it out. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh, whale sharks aren't scary. They're just like any, great big teddy bears. Sharks are scary. Yeah, uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for giving us some time. Yes, thank you very oh, much. Oh, pleasure. And people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk and on Instagram, Facebook at Cinemate Films. That's right. And, and if, if you want to follow our personal account, sorry, Greg, I interrupted you. I am Cine Simon. That's Cine underscore Simon. Sorry, yes. And I'm Cine underscore Greg. Easy to remember because we're both the same. You want uh, to see some of our personal behind the scenes? All my craft beer, coffee. <laughs> That's right. And I just, I don't know what I post. Sometimes random, sometimes fitness, sometimes skewer, sometimes kill. I don't know. I'm going to try and do some more behind the scenes of uh, Cinemate that isn't tonally appropriate for the brand, but maybe, I know, I know, I know. I'm too, I'm, too, I'm just too loose. I'm too loose, too crazy, too off the hook. Um, anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Just so you know when the next episode goes online, please leave a review. That is a massive help and helps us grow the podcast. And if you don't want to do that, totally cool. Just tell a friend. Greg, how can people leave a review? They can go to iTunes and leave a review there. It's Perspective Podcast. Obviously, you're listening to it. The link is in the show notes. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, there isn't any form of show notes, uh, which I've said before, and it's just weird. It is weird. You need to get on it, Come which on I'm Spotify. sure they will soon. But if you're listening to Spotify, jump over to cinematefilms.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll get a link there to take you to the iTunes. And I just want to do an announcement, apology. The mix for last week's episode with Craig Sanders was not right when it first got put online. It has since been replaced. The mix is better now. But for some reason, my laptop just exported with all the wrong settings and I apologize for that. I was way too loud. That was not a vanity thing. That was a mistake thing. Um until next time enjoy your life <laughs>